Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf Horsch, Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions, also known as the IAIABC. You're listening to the IAIABC's podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation programs. During Accidentally, I will ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is to make you think about work comp in a slightly different way. You can listen or download our podcasts each month at iaiabc.org slash podcast. Workers' compensation does not have much political theater, but last week was the exception. An embargoed report, the Secretary of Labor's special conference room, a podium set in front of blue velvet drapes, Navy leather chairs for a panel of experts, and federal staffers directing officials and silently coordinating with one another to keep the program and the dignitaries on time. On October 5th, the U.S. Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and the National Academy of Social Insurance held the State Workers' Compensation Forum to discuss recent trends in workers' compensation and reports by the Department of Labor and NACI. In the opening remarks, the Secretary of Labor, Tom Perez, persuasively argued that the federal government will be silent no more on the failings of state workers' compensation programs. He reiterated the Department of Labor's goal was today and in the weeks and months ahead to continue to bang the drum to ensure the workers' compensation system provides adequate protections to those injured at work. At the heart of the DOL report is the assertion that injured workers are sinking into poverty following a work injury or illness. They believe this is the result of state reforms that have decreased cash benefits, placed greater restrictions on medical treatment, and increased the causation threshold. The report authors note these workers may then end up on Social Security disability insurance, with research estimates that up to $23 billion are annually being shifted to Medicare and SSDI from workers' compensation. I want to make sure that you understand that there is disagreement by other researchers in the industry on the extent of cost shifting that exists. The end notes of the DOL report offer citations to those research studies on the subject, and it's important to review and understand the methodology and conclusions. Another key criticism is that states are in a race to the bottom. Reforms, particularly cuts in benefits and tightening causation standards, are politically motivated by states looking to compete for employers. This was repeatedly referred to as the myth of the vanishing employer a decades-old argument that employers flee a state when workers' compensation premiums get too high. The panel featured only one non-researcher, Dr. Gary Franklin, the medical director for the Washington Department of Labor and Industries, who has been a leader in advocating for change in opioid prescribing patterns. 
He commented that injured workers receive some of the worst medical care in the country. Dr. Franklin told of his discovery of deaths in Washington that resulted from opioids prescribed for work injuries. The opioid crisis, perhaps more than anything, has shined a light on the care injured workers receive. A goal we can all agree on is that injured workers should expect appropriate care that focuses on recovery and return to work. The report and the ensuing panel discussion frequently referenced the 1972 National Commission, which was the last time that the federal government played a prominent role in state workers' compensation systems. If you want to learn more about the National Commission, you can go to our first Accidentally podcast, where we talked about the commission and its recommendations. Secretary Perez clearly advocated a stronger federal role in the state workers' compensation system. The report mentioned several areas of future direction, a new national commission, more research, and possibly federal minimum standards, but is noncommittal about immediate future action. However, the workers' compensation industry would do well to reflect, not dismiss, these criticisms. The IIBC has been doing just that. Over the last year, we have hosted a series of national conversations on the future of workers' compensation. During these programs, industry professionals have come together to critically examine the core objectives of workers' compensation and talk about the ways the system is meeting or not meeting these goals. Some of the challenges identified during the national conversations would fit well in the Department of Labor's report. When talking about coverage, for example, Many within the small group discussions commented that all workers, not just those defined as employees, should be covered by workers' compensation. As employment relationships shift, co-employers, sharing platforms, and alternative work arrangements become more commonplace, it will be important for all individuals and all workers to access the workers' compensation safety net. During our conversations, attendees were asked to define the adequacy of benefits. I think the authors of DOL's report would be pleased by the discussion. It was a commonly shared belief that that workers' compensation should have adequate benefits that allow an individual to sustain their same standard of living or maintain their current socioeconomic class. Many felt benefit caps in most workers' compensation programs were inequitable because they penalized high-income earners. An area of almost unanimous consensus was recognition that workers' compensation could, should, and must do a better job communicating with employers and employees about their roles and responsibilities. The system is complex, which can lead to frustration and disenfranchisement. Identifying opportunities to simplify and enhance communication, particularly to employers and employees, would benefit all. One comment that directly relates to the race to the bottom has stayed with me. They wished Oregon would stop publishing the premium rate ranking survey 
because it measured state performance on cost alone. State workers' compensation systems in general have done a poor job reporting their performance based on outcomes. I would guess the repeated calls for reduced cost were a red flag for the Department of Labor. I recognize this is challenging. 50 state comparative studies are very rare, and most interjurisdictional studies have a narrow scope. Cost, it's easy to understand and garners headlines. However, state regulators must do a better job telling an accurate and complete picture. It can't be about cost alone. The release of the Department of Labor's report has reinforced the need for a national conversation on workers' compensation. So how do we move forward to positively shape the future? Workers' compensation is about recovery and return to employment, not just the payment of wage replacement benefits. This is in the best interest of workers. This is in the best interest of employers. This is in the best interest of society. The future of workers' compensation must be about making sure the system incentivizes the process, tools, and methods that support recovery and return to employment. I don't think most injured workers really care who is responsible for the administration of workers' compensation, the federal or the state government. But they do care about receiving timely benefits and medical care in an efficient and compassionate way. It would be refreshing, instead of fighting about who has control, to see all the stakeholders coming together to work on areas of common concern. I'd like to thank you for listening to Accidentally, the IIBC's podcast series. You can join me on future programs to hear about Kids' Chance and the good work it's doing to help children get an education, and also learn about how Once Upon a Time is a good way to begin the work comp story. If you have ideas to share or any comments, please send me an email at jwolf at iaiabc.org. You can find future podcasts at iaiabc.org slash podcast. Cheers.